0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our text that was read earlier in your hearing came from the gospel account of Matthew, the eighth chapter, and the reading was from the 23rd through to the 27th verses. Matthew, the eighth chapter, and the 23rd through the 27th verses. And it reads on this wise And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Amen? How you respond when going through a crisis has everything to do with how you end up when the crisis is over. Your reaction matters because it shapes what happens to you. Here's an example of what I mean that makes the point. Once upon a time, a daughter complained to her father that her life was miserable and that she didn't know how she was going to make it. She was tired of fighting and struggling all a time. It seemed just as one problem was solved, pretty soon another one would follow. D- does anyone can relate? Her father, who was a chef, took her into the kitchen. He filled three pots with water and placed them on a very high fire. Once the three pots started to boil, he placed potatoes in one pot, eggs in one pot, and ground coffee beans in the third pot. He then let it sit there and boil, and without saying a word to his daughter, the daughter moaned and she impatiently waited, wondering what on earth was her father doing. After about 20 minutes, he turned off the burners. He took the potatoes out of the pot and placed them in a bowl. He pulled out the boiling eggs and he placed them in another bowl, and then he poured out the coffee and placed it in a cup, turning to his daughter. He asked her, daughter, what do you see? Potatoes, eggs, and coffee, she hastily replied. Look closer, he said, and touch the potatoes. She did and noted that they were soft. He then asked her to take the egg, break it, and after pulling off the shell, she observed that the egg had become hard-boiled. He asked her then to sip the coffee. And its rich aroma brought a smile to her face. Father, what on earth does this even mean? He then explained that the potatoes, the eggs, and the coffee beans had each faced the same adversity, boiling water. However, each one reacted differently. You see, the, the, the potato went in strong, hard, and unrelenting But in the boiling water, it became soft and weak. The egg was fragile. With this thin outer hard shell, it was soft on the inside. But after it faced the boiling water, it became also hard on the inside. However, the ground coffee beans were unique. After they were exposed to the same boiling water, (laughs) they changed the water into something new. Which are you, he asked his daughter. Likewise, the question is being asked of every single one of you today that are here, when adversity knocks on your door, when difficulty comes your way, how do you respond? Are you a potato? Are you an egg? Or are you a coffee bean? It's with this question in mind and in the context of the scripture that I read just a moment ago, I want to speak a message about hope during this first week of Advent. But not just hope that things will get better in your life. You, you hear enough of that, and that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about hope from the perspective that you become better in your life. Not that things are going to work out for you the way you want it, but what's happening to you when the adversity comes. I want to talk about who you are becoming. And there's a very big difference between the two. So this morning, I want to talk about the kind of hope that actually changes you. And in order to tackle this really, really big subject, I've titled this sermon quite simply, In the Eye of the Storm. In the Eye of the Storm. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, there are many storms that are raging in all of our lives. But we're looking for you, Lord. Wondering if you are asleep. Wake up. Wake up now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I once heard the Reverend A.R. Bernard say that character is shaped in the crucible of adversity. And I believe that to be quite true. It harkens back to the old adage that says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You all heard it before, right? Which may be true in many cases, but here's the truth. What may not kill you changes you in some way. Many of you here can attest to the fact that the person you are right now, today, is not the person that you used to be. For some of you, you were abrasive and callous. Some of you. Some of you were abusive and malicious. Some of you. Some of you were ungrateful and obstinate. Some of you. And some of you were deceitful and conniving. But you're not that way anymore, some of you. You're not that way anymore because somewhere along your life's journey, you had encounters that have shaped you in some way, and now you see and understand yourself and the world around you in a different way. Some of those encounters were enough to make you see that there was more to life than just a new house or a new car or even a great job or chasing after some kind of selfish dream. Those encounters might have been something like a threatening disease or the loss of a loved one or maybe even a near miss where you felt you were given a second chance knowing that you should have gotten caught. Some of you had encounters that you know that what you got at the end, you did not deserve. And so, either way, these encounters shaped you to see that the road that you were on was leading you to your own destruction. Some of you had that experience. But for others, the other side may be true for you. Some of you used to be caring and loving. Some of you used to be kind and generous. Others of you used to be soft-spoken and forgiving. And some of you used to be honest and open. But you're not that way anymore. Your encounters made you react completely differently. You see, you might have been on the right road Doing all the right things, playing by all the right rules, and then out of nowhere, tragedy hits. Out of nowhere, life throws you a curveball that takes you away from being a warm and gentle, caring person into a callous, cynical skeptic. You used to laugh all the time and you used to love life, but now something rocked your world to your very core to the point where you can't trust anyone anymore, you can't believe anyone anymore, and even more tragic, you don't even love yourself anymore. The person you have become has been so impacted that you hardly recognize or even know yourself anymore. I'm talking about an encounter that might have been so traumatic that it served to shape the very way that you see and understand yourself and the world around you. You've changed in some way. Some of you. So my point is this, many of you here listening to me now can probably attest to the fact that the person you are right now is not the person that you used to be, one way or another. For some of you have become soft and weakened by the pressures and the problems of missed opportunities and failed endeavors like the potato. Some of you have become hard and insensitive because of the constant put-downs and let-downs that you become like the egg. But for some of you, the challenges and the adversities of life have caused you to become a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new for you, just like the coffee bean. This is the hope that is in store for any of you and for anyone. So even if the life has driven you to the point of being some overbaked potato or a hard-boiled, insensitive egg, there is a new hope in the life that Jesus Christ gives where you can now walk in an authority where you now make things new around you if you only have Jesus in your boat. Which brings us to our text. In our text, we're told that Jesus had been teaching near the Sea of Galilee. And, and afterwards, he wanted to take a break from the crowds. Y'all can see Jesus, right? Jesus, you know, people just be tugging at Jesus. Jesus, 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 Lord Jesus. <laughs> They're crying after, everywhere Jesus goes, these, <clears throat> my wife's going to get mad at me for saying this, but these spiritual vampires just want to suck the life out of Jesus. And Jesus was tired And Jesus said, let's get in a boat. We're going to go to the other side because I got to get away from these Negroes. So Jesus decided to take a boat with the apostles to the opposite shore where there were no large towns. Now, the text tells us that not long after they sailed off, Jesus fell asleep. Brother was tired. Jesus fell asleep and a storm arose. Now, to be clear, this was no ordinary storm. The text tells us that this storm was a tempest, so tempestuous it was that the ship was covered with waves to the point where the disciples thought they were going to die. So if you can imagine Jesus on the boat asleep, this boat is rocking, these disciples, they are like, oh my gosh, what is this? And Jesus is asleep and they think they're about to die. People often talk about being in the midst of a storm. When people talk about being in the midst of a storm, it's a metaphor for something really bad happening in your lives. It's often assumed that the most severe challenges that people will face in their day-to-day life happens in the midst of some kind of storm in your life. But church, we're talking about experienced fishermen here who had surely seen their fair share of storms in their lives and in their careers. But this tempest, this storm, is raging with such fury and in such a manner that it is understood that it might have been like a hurricane. For they thought they were about to perish. Are you tracking with me? Can we go in somewhere. So, so now, here's what I want you to know about hurricanes. In case you didn't know, hurricanes are made up of three parts. There is what's called the rain bands in the hurricane. The rain bands, which are like like these curved bands of clouds and thunderstorms that seem to spiral away from the center. That's called the rain bands. The second part is called the eye wall. The eye wall is a little closer to the center, and this is where the winds are, where the strongest winds are found. This is the place where it's like really serious, and then you have the eye, which is the hurricane's center. Now, now let's look at each in succession, beginning with the rain bands. The storms out of rain bands are thunderstorms that can extend maybe a few hundred miles from the center. For example, if you remember Hurricane Andrew, their rain bands back in 1992 was about hundred miles from the center. But those of us who grew up in Jamaica, we know about Hurricane Gilbert. And Hurricane Gilbert was a monster storm. Category felt like category 10. But those, those rain bands were about 500 miles from the center. And now the thing about these rain bands is that they can cause severe damage and flooding, right, in various degrees. But they're not yet quite necessarily at the level of devastating. You see, rain band problems cause severe flooding, especially when the rain falls for an extended period of time. And over time, even after the rain has stopped and the hurricane has passed, what you find out is that you have some damage in your home that are emerging later on, right? Things like mold. You you know, the flooding causes problems that you don't see right away, but later on, they show up. The rainband storms don't cause devastation immediately, but over time, as you get older, becomes more and more of a problem. But since you are aware of it you can do some things about it you can get the people to come in and they can fix up your home so 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 let me give you an example of what i mean by rainband storms a rainband storm is like physically like you have maybe diabetes or high blood pressure or obesity or kidney disease or a smoking or drinking addiction You see, I call those rainband storms because while you're engaged in the issue or the situation, it's not affecting you, it's not devastating you in the moment. But later on, live a little longer, and all of a sudden, these storms, these issues, start to become more and more of a problem. It's not until later on, when you've gotten older, that these rainband problems start to become more of an issue for you. Are you with me? Those are rain-banned. They're a little further out from the center. They don't devastate you immediately, but they are surely, surely destroying you, slowly but surely. So in short, your response to the adversity of your health problems changes you to be like the potato, soft and weakened, but in effect, really only delaying the inevitable. Secondly, we have the eye wall of the storm, right? Now, the eye wall is a dense wall of thunderstorms that surrounds the eye, and that has the strongest winds you can imagine. Wind speeds anywhere from 74 to 157 miles per hour. We're not talking about a cool breeze. We're talking about something that is gonna rock everything in its path. It's gonna tear, if you ever been in a hurricane in the midst of one of these hurricanes in, these, in, this, in this eye wall, you know what I'm talking about. I used to sit, when I was living in Jamaica, and I would watch the, the, the roofs of houses literally be ripped off, almost as if you would just turn this page. I mean, it was intense, it was severe, and it is, can be so devastating that it's not even gonna wait for later on, it's gonna damage you and destroy you today. That's the eyewall storm. It doesn't play. It doesn't mince words. It's coming to kill, to steal, and to destroy. It takes no prisoners. It don't care if you're black, white, green, yellow, pink, indigo, or even violet. It could care less. It could care less if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, independent. It doesn't care. When it comes, if you are in its path, beware of the eyewall of the storm, metaphorically. The kind of eyewall problems that we experience in our lives can be related to our health or even our employment, our finances, or even our relationships. And by eyewall, I'm talking about the kind of problems where you are just so devastated that this full storm rages with such fury that it goes well beyond anything physical. Let me give an example of what I consider an eyewall storm. And I want you to stay with me, church, because this is serious stuff. About two weeks ago in Canada, true story, two weeks ago in Canada, on the afternoon of November 15th, a car carrying two teenagers had collided with a truck on an icy portion of the roadway, leaving one of the teenagers pinned inside the car with horrific injuries. One of the first responders to the scene, believing that the injury could be fatal, worked for nearly half an hour trying to save the life of the teenage crash victim. For more than 20 minutes, the paramedic tended to the teen, doing whatever she could for the victim. After the patient was airlifted to a nearby hospital, the paramedic headed home. When she met with her husband, she said, you know, there's a family that's gonna likely lose a daughter today, later that evening. A knock on her door. The police showed up at her door, informing her that her only child had been in an accident and was critically injured. When she entered the room of her 17-year-old daughter, she realized that the critically injured patient that she had just was attending to on the icy roadway was, in fact, her own flesh and blood. Her daughter's condition was so bad that she was unrecognizable in the moment at the time because of her injuries. And three days later, they took the daughter off life support. This is what the the mother later wrote, a true story, what the mother later wrote on her Facebook page. She was unknowingly, unknowingly, trying to keep her own daughter alive. Whenever you are shattered, broken, and feel like you're missing parts of yourself? That's an eyewall storm. That's an eyewall storm. Unimaginable grief. Even when you've been playing by all the rules your whole life, doing everything you're supposed to do, the vicissitudes of life give you such a gut punch that you wonder if you can even recover eyewall storm. It's news of a career-ending injury for some. It's it's news of losing the breadwinner in a family. It's a divorce. It's, it's, It's depleted life savings. It's a pending incarceration. And in the example of the story, it's losing someone so close to you. Brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you is that life is wickedly unfair. And it takes no prisoners. And it doesn't make sense whether you think that you are exempt because you've been a good person because the rain falls. On the just and on the unjust. And your response to that adversity brought on by these kinds of eyewall problems can change you to be like the egg. You are hard on the outside, but the adversity comes, and all of a sudden, the nice person you used to be is boiled hard that you can't even love anything. You feel stuck and lost, alone and scared, shattered and broken in the eyewall of the storm. And like the disciples in this tempest storm, you cry out, Lord, save us! We're about to perish. For you recognize that it is only God, and only with God's help, that you'll be able to pick up the pieces and be able to carry on, which brings me to the final part of the storm. The eye of the storm. (laughs) See, the eye of the storm is this circular completely or partially surrounded area that just sits right in the middle of the eye wall. If you know anything about hurricanes, you know that the eye has wind speeds about 15 miles per hour. Now we're talking about a cool breeze. And and people who have experienced a hurricane like me are often amazed. Listen, when I was in the midst of Hurricane Gilbert in Jamaica growing up, I mean, that hurricane... It was just, houses was thrown, I mean, trees. You saw trees that were literally uprooted. And then when the eye came, we all came outside, and we're like, it's over. We look up, and you could see the blue sky. You could see the clouds. You could see the sun. I mean, it was just like, wow. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden, this calming peace, changes. Now look at the text again. Verse 24. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. That's what it says in the text. You see, when the disciples woke Jesus up, they entered into what I've called the eye of the storm. When they woke Jesus up, they entered the eye of the storm. For you see, in the eye of the storm, the weather is calm. And the peace that surpasses all understanding is felt. In the eye of the storm, the rains of fear and confusion has to stop. In the eye of the storm, the winds of oppression and depression has to cease. And in the eye of the storm, the Lord Jesus is with you and you will not perish. For in the eye of the storm... The humble light of Christ shines in the midst of the darkness, and the apostles who kept their eyes on Christ share in his light, and they possess now this sense of calm. You see, in the eye of the storm, and I want you all to get this. (laughs) I thought this was clever, Reverend F.D. In the eye of the storm, like I described, when I was a young child in Jamaica, in the eye of the storm, I saw the sun. Let me say that again. When you're in the eye of the storm and you look up, you'll see the sun. The S-O-N. The sun. He can be seen. But just as quickly as you see the S-O-N, the storm winds come again. The rains and the winds begin to step up now in the opposite direction. Because when the devil don't get you one way. He'll come the other way. I hope you all are hearing me. And so my brothers and my sisters, as I prepare to close, here's my word for you today. Have hope, but know this to be true. Another storm is on its way. And if you don't believe me, I take you to the book of Revelations, the seventh chapter, and the first through the third verses. Here's what it says. This is Revelation, the last book in the Bible. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. A storm is coming. So that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. These angels are holding back the winds at the four corners of the earth. Brothers and sisters, another storm is coming. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the the earth or the sea or the trees, until, until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. A storm is coming. The storm is yet to be unleashed, brothers, but not until everyone who, who will come to Christ has done so. Right? But the text goes on further to say this, picking up in verse 9. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and tribe, peoples, and tongues. Everybody. Some people will have you believe that it's only the white evangelicals. Everybody. Black, white, green, yellow, pink, indigo, and violet. Everybody. Everybody. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, And palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, amen, right, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever." Now, here's the part I want you to get. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in these white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? Who are these people? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, Huh, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. A storm is coming. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle. Talk about Thanksgiving meal. Will spread his tabernacle. Their cups are going to overflow. Hallelujah, somebody. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them into springs of water of life and god will wipe every tear from their eyes brothers and sisters let me make it real plain i like to think that i'm a pretty good pastor i like to think that but i'm gonna tell you the truth i wouldn't know what to say to that mother I don't have the words, I don't have the ability or the skill to talk to that Canadian mother. But I can tell you one thing is true, that when tragedy hits your door, there is a voice that can be awakened, that will say in the midst of your eyewall, peace be still. That can rebuke the winds. Peace. Be still. That's what I'm preaching today. Hope. Because you may not be in the eye wall today. But a storm is coming. And when it comes, the question's going to be, whose voice? Who, whose voice you're going to hear? And, and better yet, who's in your boat? And who do you need to Wake up, for Lord, we are perishing. So will you respond like the potato and become soft and weakened? Will you respond like the egg, hard both on the inside and on the outside? Or will you be like the coffee bean? Resilient enough to change your circumstances by the awakening of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You see, what I love about the metaphor as I get ready to wrap up is that they all faced the hot water, but it was water. <laughs> they all faced the hot water, but it was water. And that's the spirit of the Lord. that when you connect with the Spirit of the Lord, that spirit connects with your spirit, and believe you, me, brothers and sisters, <laughs> you making some good coffee pop-up. You're going to make some good coffee. For the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who sits at the center of the throne, if he becomes your shepherd, then he will guide you to springs of living water and will wipe every tear from your eyes. He promises never to leave you nor forsake you. He can still say the words, peace be still in the midst of any storm. So maybe you're in a rain band today or maybe you're in the eye wall. But wherever you are, you need to get into the eye of the storm. You need to get in the eye of the storm, where the peace of God dwells, where you can find hope in the adversities of your life. For true faith is putting your trust in Jesus, even in the midst of the most difficult situations, whether spiritual, physical, emotional, or mental. So, brothers and sisters, I offer you today a stowaway. A stowaway who wants to be in your boat. And I guarantee that with him in your boat, you can sail through any storm. Why? Because the text says, Erica, even the winds and the seas Obey. obey him. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.